Hello and welcome to our viewers on cruxinvestor.com and also to our listeners on Cruxcast, our podcast series. We're talking today with Vincent Algar. He's the MD of Australian Vanadium. Good morning, Vincent. How are you? Hi, Matthew. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Well, um, we always kind of get people to kick off with a two-minute summary on the business and then we'll get stuck into some questions. Yeah, sure. Um, Australian Vanadium is developing a project just south of Mikatera in our in the state uh, of Western Australia, which is a very well-known and well-respected mining state globally, actually currently number two on the uh, platform of, of best places to invest in mining projects globally. Uh, the project is a vanadium project. It's a primary ore vanadium project, very similar in, uh, in style to Bushveld and Ligo resources projects. Um, and we're looking to, we currently finalize the pre-feasibility study. We're in the middle of a pilot study as part of a definitive study um, to uh, with our aim to go into production, producing about 10,000 tons of VTO5 high purity material in late 2021. Right. Okay. Th thanks for that. So let's just cover off some of those technical components. So you you've done a, a PFS, you're you've started a DFS process, and you're also running a sort of a pilot process at the moment. So what do you think you've got? So we've done our resource work. Uh, we've actually put out a maiden reserve, which is about 17 and a half million tons as our maiden reserve, just over 1% in grade, mm. in head grade. Uh, and our deposit is, is particularly wide for a vanadium deposit. Um, so we have a particularly high mass yield to vanadium concentrate, which stands out uh, on a global level by comparison. So those three factors give us quite a unique geology. And we've, we've estimated um, our resource system is currently running at over 90 million tons of this high-grade feed material. So uh, given that we'll only be mining around 1.4 million tons a year, that gives us a fairly large long-life resource there ahead of us. Right, okay. And and the DFS process has just started? I mean, when's it due to be completed? Yeah, so the, the completion date is set for late this year. Um, the way we're doing this DFS is we, we finished the PFS at the um, end of last year. Um, and we broke the DFS into three parts. One was the data collection. Mm. Uh, so in other words, we went out and we drilled uh, a few thousand meters of, of core, uh, so we could use that for our pilot study. Actually, we collected nearly 30 tons of our target horizon, uh, which was no mean feat, um, but we collected that so that we could actually really do a, a pilot properly. Uh, then subsequent that, that collection and characterization, which started in January and finished in April, we have then set up a pilot study. Uh, the pilot study is uh, currently underway. Um, it breaks the processing down into its three component parts, uh, which is magnetic separation uh, and beneficiation um, of the concentrate through to a vanadium high purity product. And those are the steps we're currently underway. They'll take us through to about September. And then following that, we'll integrate all the results of that pilot work into the final definitive study uh, document towards the end of the year, which will set us up uh, to move into a feed study and uh, move to a very clear financial pathway into uh, mid 2020. Right. Okay. So, can I mean just help me understand? It's a tricky market at the moment. But, uh, prices all over the place. It's a hell of a ride for the vanadium um, guys at the moment. 
you know, you've been as high as 17, as low as three. Um, have you got the team on board who are capable of getting you through this this dip at the moment? You know, because you know, as a as a company, you're you've got some cash to kind of take you through the the next phase, I guess, through the DFS. Um, but you know, the market's not very forgiving at the moment. So, who's on board that's kind of been through this before that will kind of help you kind of get to where you need to be next? Right. So one of the key things that we've been able to secure is we've got a, we've got two people on our on our team that have got extensive Vanadium experience. Right, a guy called Daniel Harris, who's um, been in the Vanadium business for over forty years. He ran uh, Vermetco, um, the current operation of Bushfeld. He ran that for a couple of years. He was the managing director in South Africa. He came through from the U.S. Uh, while working for Evraz, and then he he moved on to run Evraz's Russian business for three years. So he's been He's a process engineer, uh, but he's been involved with some some pretty big uh, corporate and um, uh, corporate players over the years as well. So he's been an MD of very large portions of the Vanadium business for a long time, and been involved in process design and 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 running the pro, running the companies basically. So he's got about 40 years under his belt. He's he's our technical director. He's our go-to guy in terms of his knowledge base. Mm-hmm. His network in the Vanadium business is extremely deep. So he's um, and our COO recently appointed a guy called Todd Richardson, has been in the Vanadium business for 20 years. Since since graduation, he's operated on three or four operations. He's a process design engineer, uh, heavily focused on uh, building and delivering. So we're very much comfortable. His, his elevation to COO recently in our, in our organization sets us up for having the right guy on the job uh, to run and build this thing through the process. Right. Then lastly, mm-hmm. our technical team on the consulting side uh, we're using um, a collection of, of people who know the West Australian environment very well, but we're using wood uh, consulting engineers and, and we've got a couple of people within the wood team that have experience in vanadium operations and design. And we've they're helping us through this critical period of, pro, of the process design and testing. So we know that this is the key part. Um, if we don't pilot properly the right material and have a absolutely thorough honest understanding of the material we're dealing with that is the risk that you face of failure so we know we have to be auditable and that is why we've got we believe we've got exactly the right team in place of course we'll be adding people to the team as we go along but our criteria for adding to those people to the team will be that they've got the banana experience in place right my own experience is a resource base sorry um my own experience is a resource base i'm a resource geologist um the geology here is obviously important. The geometallurgical side, the scheduling is of great, uh, right within my experience base, and and I can add value in that in that respect. And obviously, I um, I'm very interested in in all the other aspects of what we have to do here to deliver. But we want to build the right team to get this done, and we, okay. we believe we've got most. Of it okay, but I, I guess what I, what I want to understand also is you know, so you've got the right technical experience and in a space by the sounds of it, which is great, and you've got a you know. You say position a globally significant resource, okay? Um, but you are where you are at the moment. You've got a market cap of circa thirty million. You've got five six million bucks of cash. Um, the junior mar- mining space generally is very tricky because the you know the amount of risk involved in mining. Vanadium price has been very volatile. Who are the guys on board who kind of keep the show on the road while? you're sort of developing the you know dfs you mean in terms of the the corporate corporate side of things 
Yeah, I so mean, like our, our yeah, what, are the, team, what, what do you think the challenges are, you know, and what are you doing to meet them? Oh, look, the challenges are clearly to fund the project, absolutely. And uh, I think the, we, we totally, um, we're totally transparent about needing to do that. We have to, on the technical side, our, our technical team has to make sure that, that we understand uh, the costs of the of the project and be very uh, clear about what it is we think it's going to cost. And so, therefore, our central focus is uh, moving into that lower cost quartile, making sure we know our operating cost will be able to be delivered at the lowest possible uh, place. But then the capital side, we need to be able to match the capital with what the equity markets will offer us and um, start to deliver a, a, a really deliverable story to the equity markets um, and, what, and, and subsequent to those, the debt markets as well. And what do you think that, what do you think that story is? I mean, what, what do they need to hear? What are they going to hear from you? Well, I think one of the things they need to hear about is that we believe the mar is, is our belief in the market itself. So we we haven't really had discussed about the market. What is the market for this for this metal? Uh, why is it so interesting to people? Why is it so volatile? How do we how do we knock the volatility out of this? Um, uh, having you know having just seen and, and heard the discussions that, that you had uh, with with Bushveld, for example, um, one of the aspects of reducing the volatility of this price is why the battery and the, the development of the battery market, the vanadium redox flow battery market is so important. It's a large volume market that's disconnected from the steel market. So it, it offers a huge opportunity to to level off this market. So well, well, let, think, let, um, do, you mind, do you mind if we kind of just in terms of just bringing that story through um, for because a lot of people listening to this are kind of new to uh, mining, let alone vanadium. So let's, let's talk about the volatility component first in the marketplace, because there's a Vanadium, huge um, relationship with you know the steel market, rebar, etc. It's ninety percent of the of the market for vanadium. Do you want to give your view on why the volatility is there first of all, and then we will kind of get into the opportunities? Look, I think uh, so much of that market is is based on the Chinese rebar market, which is a very complex beast, and, and you know you, you've probably picked up a bit of that in your in your more recent interviews. It is a complex environment. Um, but it is a growing environment nevertheless and the application of vanadium in that environment is a clear benefit to the people who employ it so there is a natural growth curve in there that that we can take advantage of that natural growth curve needs and requires additional tons of vanadium to come online and those tons have to be relatively cheap so that those operations can get into play and stay in play for a long period of time so new new newcomers to the market need to be low cost producers the other thing that they're requiring is that those new newcomers are um, responsible from an environmental point of view. Uh, if you're in China and you're a new producer, well, you're not going to get up and running if you're going to be a dirty producer. Um, and likewise, if you're going to be coming in from outside, you're going to be able to have to produce a clean product. The banning of slags, for example, into China is a is a key example of that. You can't push waste products into China. So high purity products are going to be ideal. Um, there is definitely a growth market in the Chinese steel market, not only in rebar, but in other products as well, which we, which the vanadium market, ha, uh, vanadium industry hasn't fully exploited over time. Such as? So you've got this, sorry, such, such as, as um, high strength beam steels, for example, um, is, is a very good market. It's a quite a big market and it hasn't really been exploited by the vanadium producers. It has significant benefits uh, to users of those steels. Remember, the more vanadium you use in steel, the less steel you need to achieve a particular objective. And in the construction industry, 
in China, that's quite relevant. If we can build a strong um, earthquake resistant building with less steel, that's a great outcome for everybody um, in terms of energy use, in terms of steel use, in terms of cost. So, you know, more vanadium and steel has a lot of downstream benefits for everybody. So the fundamental thing is that vanadium is relatively easy to use in the, um, to apply um, in the rebar market and some other markets. And its cost is not that expensive if it doesn't go, um, if its price doesn't, isn't too volatile. But we've seen recently, um, whether it be speculation, substitution from niobium, affect that price. Mm -hmm. And also the non-implementation by some, part, some parts of the Chinese steel industry of the standard that's been imposed on them. Right. So that volatility, I think if you, if you knock all of that out over time, which it will be, you'll settle into an environment where more vanadium is being used in the Chinese steel market. And even at, at relatively modest projections, that still means additional tons and additional new mines required and additional expansions to existing operations, such as we see being done by Bushfeld and Lago. Yeah, okay. Th thanks for that. So in terms of um, the size of that market, rebar steel market, you still see that growing. I think that's generally accepted. Um, you've talked in your PowerPoint about um, VRFB, the vanadium redox float battery. I think everyone in vanadium is talking about that because the potential rental component seems to be the, the uh, story of the, of the month at the moment. I mean, you're some ways from that, but you still got to talk talk to that market, talk to investors about the opportunities there. I mean, right now you're focused on working out what's in the ground, how you get it out economically, um, and you know, at a, at, a, at a margin which will allow you to be you know, profitable and successful. So, um, do, I mean, do you, I mean, because again, I think you're gonna have to like hire the right skill sets on board to you know, take advantage and have the right partnerships to take advantage of the, you know, the RFB space and you know that's probably not something for now for you guys so or well, is we, it we're fairly active in that we're fairly active in that area we've had a subsidiary similar to bushfell energy right. for the last two and a half years uh we've been we've been really developing that market in terms of uh looking for the niches within the australian market to to place those batteries and we we've spent a lot of energy um understanding where the niches are in the australian market and we've We've seen the vanadium battery market grow here in Australia from one, which was only installed at the University of New South Wales mm. by the founder or inventor, mm. um, to now having six batteries in line and one pretty large one coming online pretty soon. So, and all of those, um, three of those, by the way, are, are cell cubes. Um, and there's a there's a very real opportunity within the Australian market, should the psyche work. We are very, very strongly, uh, um, gifted, if you like, by the amount of renewable energy we can we can put into the systems here. So flow batteries fit our, our grid perfectly. We have high energy costs, fringe of grid opportunities. So the Vanadium flow battery fits our market perfectly. And, we've, and AVL through vSUN has been really aggressively looking at that. Right. Our success rate has been relatively low, but we've certainly opened up niches and, and the time we've invested is starting to bear fruit. And, and you know, I've spent a, quite a close time talking to over the years with uh, Mikhail. We sit on the same energy storage committee, committee at Vanatec together. Um, the understanding that, that VRFBs need to be marketed and need to be sold into a market. We need to convince people that they're worthwhile at that grid level. We've very, very invested. We spent a lot of time. We've sold a battery and installed it and run it. 
We understand the benefits of this thing, how robust they are. We know that. So we need to convey that into the marketplace by partnering up with low battery companies. Right, okay. And, and so, so how are we doing that? You are doing that, so okay. Well, that's that's great. So, how how do you vertically integrate the business? Oh, you, you're going to have to take a view on how you vertically integrate the business to do that, because appreciate you're you're in it, but it's it's not of any scale at the moment. I mean, how much time and money have you spent on that aspect? Well, we've spent a few hundred thousand dollars over the okay. last few years looking into it, um, right. putting bids in, partnering up, looking at the technical aspects of installation and where they fit. Um, it, it is a there are in in low cost energy markets like the US or the Europe, for example, it's very hard to find niches for them. Uh, but over time, there's a number of niches. And in, in high cost energy markets and off-grid markets, there's multiple niches for these batteries. So mm. um, we've used that as a learning process. We've um, we built and installed a, um, a pilot electrolyte plant at the University of Western Australia. Mm. Um, so we understand the, the, the production of electrolyte from raw materials. We understand the energy cost of that. Mm. and how that flows downstream so we know that there's a, a step in between um taking a product uh, we also understand the qualities the quality issues uh, both through my work at the energy storage committee with with um, the other players in the vanadium space we understand the quality uh, parameters around making vanadium that needs to go into electrolyte for example mm -hmm. so across that whole chain uh, we believe that within avl we already have a very good understanding and set of data that we've been working with over a few years and we can take that into the plant design so coming back to your question what do we how do we implement this in the plant mm. so we've recently announced some work where we've we've produced a 99.4 percent product as part of our um, uh, pre-pilot work um, that'll be our standard product now the the definition of, a, of an electrolyte ready vanadium product vanadium pentoxide product is around that level sometimes higher sometimes lower but most most vanadium battery players will want you to produce something around that level now for us to target an electrolyte ready finished product which is both ready for our steel customers and for our battery customers is is what we want to achieve that'll give us the total leverage to go into steel and to take a portion of our production into the battery market okay. and and that's that's that'll be built in to our very the very underlying principles of our of our design and our economics. So it, it's a it's an important, not necessarily fundamental part to the to the business for the future. So let's talk about today in terms of you know your current investors. They've seen their price fall off, come away in the last year. It's, you know highs and lows of vanadium for sure. Um, you're sitting around two cents at the moment. I mean, what's your message to them in terms of how you deliver a strategy for for you know much overused phrase value creation for shareholders uh, meaning share appreciation how are you going to do that i mean is it just because you're in a difficult phase you're in the dfs phase it's a boring phase where you're getting on with the the job of doing the numbers but that's the reality of what needs to happen before you can sort of see what the opportunity is or certainly put some numbers to the opportunity so what do you tell shareholders now you tell them that you you are understanding, you understand what you're doing. You've got a very good asset that you're working for, and you've got to demonstrate the value along the way, each and every individual step. So, uh, some investors are going to look for the short-term hits on that, and Australian investors have a great penchant for looking for short-term short-term hits. Um, but at the same time, when you're looking at, at an investor that needs to 
see the long-term value, you need to demonstrate that. So there's two ways we can demonstrate that. Can we, do we have a, a project that's deliverable um, in production? Will it have a capital cost that is too high for a junior? So if it is, then where are your partners? So we need to find those partners that are gonna participate with us, um, the technical partners. That is one of the strongest ways we can illustrate our, our ability to deliver is, is get a partner involved that says, I back this project and we'll go ahead and do it. Does that mean dilution? Or does that mean a, an, an equity partner who will fund at a project level? I mean, how does that work? I think I think you've got to take that from the partner that you choose, but it, ultimately it's going to be a project partner. That's who you want to work together with, right? We believe we've got a very strong team that can deliver, mm. but we want someone who wants to come in for the ride and can deliver their component of it. Got it okay. If it's a corporate or if it's a Vanadian player that's got offer, something to offer, we can build it from there. So. We really have to focus on what we can deliver for the investor. And in terms of dilution, that, that concept is quite interesting. Is that as one of our so I said, the best form of the worst form of dilution is running out of money. So um, you want to stay in the business. We've got a very robust story to tell. We'll tell that story to investors. And I'm 100% confident that as the project gets funded through to its logical conclusion of being built, it will be reach the value it needs to reach and then no one is going to be diluted by that because you're in production and you're producing in a market that is stable and and you now part of so getting into production is the best result but the, the hurdles of funding so the hurdles of funding are always there um, and you, you mentioned so the second second thing you need to you do um so is is to demonstrate that on an on a when we're operating that we're going to be in that low cost quarter so that's a technical um deliverable that we believe is is one of our core objectives. Uh, we're currently at $4.15 in our PFS. We want to get that well below $4. Uh, and that we know will give us a sustained um, operational cost um, through the life of that seven that initial 17 years and beyond, that we know that we can we can wear our way through fairly large variations in the Vanadium price and still be making money. So, I mean you talk in the, your PowerPoint about de-risking and improving project valuations, and you just talked about you know, trying, trying to get that operational cost down. What, what, I mean, is that just going to be marginal or is that going to be you know, meaningful? And, you know, if so, how do you achieve meaningful difference from 415 down to think, whatever target yeah, you set yourself? I think you've got to innovate. You've got to, there's some innovation there. Um, we've our, our announcement two weeks ago in particular is a typical example of that. We've We've innovated by changing out one of the back-end processes in the in the standard process and also looking at pelletizing in the front, both of which delivered a significant result for us. Um, and those implementing those in the final plant are, are, are the ways to innovate. Um, the vanadium industry using standard standard roast yeast technology um, has been fairly, is fairly bland in terms of uh, that level of innovation. Um, also looking to produce electrolyte ready products, ones that are open for investment into other markets, for example, you know, a lot of people will just go out and produce a product that's ready for steel, off we go. So uh, Australia has a very, very um, conducive environment for R&D. We get 45 cents back per dollar of R&D money that we spend. Uh, and that is a fantastic opportunity for almost all junior resource companies. To really, to really push the trigger on their R&D, especially when it comes to process innovation. And uh, we, we do that, we use it, and it's a great opportunity for us to keep low-cost R&D in the actual 
design and build of our plant. So we right. will be doing that. But that, again, all of that's driven on the fact that we need to get the operating cost to a point. So to answer your question, those increments, they some are incremental mm -hmm. and some are, are significant. Um, so those right. have to be, they'll be across the board. And do they have, are they going to have a big impact on your IRR? Because I noticed in, in your presentation, you're using you know, a variety of non-pricing price points to you know, give an inferred IRR number and uh, you know, enterprise value. I mean, that seems very price dependent on the market and not so much about what you're doing, or is it? Look, the we were sensitive to our operating cost. Obviously, we would be. But when we, did, when we did our PFS, for example, we did about eight option studies. And each of those option studies, in addition to a series of risk workshops, we looked at where we would be able to add the most in terms of bottom line revenue by changing certain things. And those are the things we focused on and we are focused on throughout our DFS. Where can we add, and those two innovations I mentioned, the modification of the backend circuit to APV and the, and the pelletizing, those are two things that we've identified that's all responding really well to. And that is two things that can add significantly uh, to what to that actual bottom line figure. Other things we can do, for example, is looking at our capital costs. Where can we, how can we do things to our capital costs so we can, for example, stage the capital costs so that we don't have to hit it all at once, that the equity markets can bear it more easily. Well, how do we do that? What do we do about it? When do we do it? Um, there are a lot of work that we're doing on through the course of the DFS that lays that out. But we're looking for those big hits as well absolutely but the, the little ones all add up as well so we, we've got to make sure we cover every board but we've we're taking a systematic approach to the process okay. and again it's the innovation side that says you know this has been done like this before but here's another standard process totally within the realms of well-tested and well-understood technology that you can apply to this particular material and see a result so the, the pelletizing is a classic argument like that the test work we've done there shows a significant improvement of our back-end vanadium recovery without any, without, with only that minor change to what we do up front. Okay, so I just want to get on to investors, if I may. Um, what are investors worried about and what are you doing about it? Well, investors are worried about us being able to fund the project. Right. So that's obviously something that, they, that they're yeah. concerned about. Right? Okay. So, so all I can do on that front is to continue adding value to the project and to continue to uh, work with new investors and existing investors to show that the project value is there and the project is deliverable. And are you talking about institutional investors there or strategic investors or are you talking about the retail? What, what, when you say investors, who do you mean? Uh, my, my focus will be on attracting institutional investors to the company, um, which is why we were in London a little while ago, uh, while, we're looking, you know, while we're looking at um, longer term institutions, both in New York, London, Hong Kong, Singapore, those are our target markets. Um, the Australian institutions as well are obviously on that list. But then we do have a lot of high net worth and retail investors within the stock as well. So I have to keep keep telling my story and keep telling the vanadium story to those people so that they can stay in there and, right. and but, hold it. But, but what's resonating with them? You know, you you know you, you know the vanadium market extremely well. You know, investors may not necessarily. What are they buying into? Are they buying into the future of you know energy storage components of vanadium? Are they buying into you know your your particular story about how you're going to get into the marketplace? What what are they? You know, the, when do the ears prick up? I think the I think the, the, it's a twofold answer. I think 
for the more sophisticated investor that knows the way that the steel markets work and how they grow and how vanadium fits into that. And that's obviously an education process. But when people have been educated, they say, I get that, that's what it's all about. I had two two responses in London at one-to-one that, that said exactly opposite things. Someone come in and go, yep, it's all about the steel. I get it. I've been doing this for years. This is what works. You get this right. I see it works. We're going on the steel side. That's the fundamental market. It's 90% of the current market. I'm not interested in anything else. And then you get the guys who come in and say, this vanadium battery market is absolutely amazing. It's got huge volume implications. The world needs stationary storage. We're going to switch to renewables. Everything is going on. And then you get the person who's going, it's all about the battery. So there's a very big swing there. But but AVL has had success um, when the, with both of those investor groups. People will come in as long as we are showing that we will do something in both spaces, um, which we will do because that's the perfect edge. Um, for a vanadium company to be involved with this new sector and the existing sector. So we, we have a mix of investors in our stock for one for the one reason and one for the other. Okay, okay. It, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating actually. And I guess we'll see how that works out. So right, so you're, you're just, you're going around telling your story, but you are doing a lot in the background. You're working in DFS, you're doing your pilot plant, you're trying to get the operating costs down and you know and project a company which knows where it's going that's seems to be what you're telling me that's and and you know we we want to be here to build the thing so right. we've got the team that knows and can build it so we're going to push ahead with that okay um we've got to bring partners along with us that believe us and and we can go ahead and do that that's right. our that's our object that's interesting to me so the 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 st- the strategic partners they're not on board yet or there are conversations which are happening i mean what are, what are the kind of catalyst moments for you know for the next 12 months for you you know what are, what are you targeting doing obviously the dfs i get it and the results from the pilot plant i get it but what else is happening with the business to ensure its survival to ensure that it's able to deliver the things that you think you want to deliver now like vertical integration um you know what, are you, what, what targets are you setting yourself and, you know, what are you measured on? Well, we measured on on the success of that. That share price is obviously something we measure on. Yeah. Growing our market capitalization is there. Um, and then closing those those key deals uh, with, with, with interested parties, whether they be investors or whether they be off-take partners or whether they be uh, memorandums of understanding with, with potential buyers, those are what we measured on. Those are the things that are going to help us move forward. Those are going to provide certainty to the investor that we've we've got a customer that wants to buy material X and wants to take us through the production. Now, when we when we discuss um, potential offtake with people, we always talk to them about investment as well. Do they want to come along for the ride? I mean, a lot of these guys want to come to you and say, "Yeah, I'll take the offtake," but they don't want to put their skin in the game, and that's not what we're there for. We want to we want to say, "Well, if you want to be in the vanadium business, you want to be in the vanadium business. Let's go together." Um, and we're plumbing that network. Uh, we expand that network constantly. Uh, we utilize the fact that the guys in the team have been in that network for a long time and spending our time making ourselves part of it. But there are people that are interested in Vanadium anyway because mm-hmm. they're, they're really vested in it. And there's people that have looked at the last few years, they've looked at LIGO, they've looked at Bushfell's success, they've looked at the price of Vanadium and the potential returns that it can give uh, when, it's, when it's really cranking. And they go, this is not, not a bad business to be in. And a lot of it's actually aligned quite well with other steel businesses and 
and other alloy businesses. So there's a couple, quite a number of natural partners there, both in China and outside of China that, that need to be, be worked through. But as you know, anyone making a deal has to go through the diligence process. They have to, you have to court each other and work closely with each other and, and become friends as well and trust each other. So all of that is an ongoing process, which is what I'm doing, which what my team is doing. And we'll continue to do that with the confidence that the project at the back end is solid as a rock. Okay. Do you want to finish off by giving us five reasons for new investors to be looking at your business? I saw Bushveld's answer the other day, so I have to he come had up seven. with more. He had seven. <laughs> I did love that answer. I can't beat that. Okay, give us I just eight. Want to give people right? so, you know, so anyway, that's fortune. I'm very. He's a he's a great person to have in the industry. I must say. So yeah. Um, Smart guy. So Smart guy. Just say we, uh, we do we do model ourselves on on both Ligo and Bushveld um, between Fortune's team and uh, and Ligo's team, Mark Smith's team, yeah. um, and Carlos' team. That they're great they're great examples to have in the industry. And and to be honest, the fact that that Australian Vanadium's project can be another Ligo or another Bushveld, Good. that's one reason. Where is Australian Vanadium's project? It's in it's in one of the world's best uh, investable regions. Uh, for mining projects generally, um, uh, both the location and the state itself is very pro um, mining. It's an easy place to do business. It's a very sophisticated place to do business. So that's another reason to want to be involved in a company that's got a great project in a great location. Mm-hmm. Um, the returns on the vanadium industry are looking like someone that, that, that people need to be involved in. I think people need to take close heed of what's happening in the vanadium industry, both from a steel and an energy storage point of view, and also the other applications that may involve vanadium that can significantly increase its, its consumption globally. And, and again, a, a producer of high purity material with a significantly long life uh, needs to be looked at closely. And then on, on a technical level, um, as an investor, what is the best vanadium project in the world to invest in? It's the one that's going to have the highest chance of success that is dearest this project to the maximum and can come into production for a significantly long time and generate returns for a very long time. We believe that we are firmly in that window. And at a good price today. Cheap, 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 cheap. Going cheap today. Okay. <laughs> not that we like that. Not with uh, the, but not we'll be going moment. cheap tomorrow. So. No, okay. Well, look, Vincent, thanks very much for your time, mate. I do appreciate it. And uh, keep us up to date with uh, things as they develop. What, what's the next b- bit of big news? Um, we've got a um, fair bit of work around the, the concentrate production quality that we're producing from the pilot study. Uh, we've got some resource results, some drilling results coming out, some resource results coming out later. Um, later in probably in the early next month and we'll be working on an updated resource from those results um, we've got um, then we're looking at some of the other then there's there's obviously various discussions we we're ticking away on uh, and then we're looking at getting the, the view on the on the on the actual an update to the PFS we've mentioned that in, a, in an announcement recently we want to take the the new base case with all these change parameters in and squeeze it out so we can actually show people what we've done so far, like, you know, have we brought, so, have so, we brought some stuff? Have we made it? What improvements have we made? Great. So that investors can see we've made progress um, as we lead into the end of the PFS, the FS itself. Give us a call when you um, have some of that ready to come out. We'd be delighted to talk to you about it. Thanks again for today, and we'll speak to you again real soon.
Yeah, good. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for watching our video. We do aim to give you informed and intelligent information with which to make your investment decisions. So if you liked what you just saw, please give us a thumbs up. And if you want to see more insightful, in-depth, honest and unbiased interviews, then please click the subscribe button. So thanks again for watching and we look forward to seeing you again soon.